This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, we are back, back at it again. I've got my trusty tin can on a string that is connected directly to the tubes. Welcome back to the show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting mopily across from me, I kid, is Brittany Page. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to hear that. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why why do I sense a deep, deep ladle, a rich, gravy-laden ladle of sarcasm in that comment? Mm, I just don't care how you're doing. No, not at all, huh? No. Sorry. Wow. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. I appreciate listen, I can I can appreciate the honesty. How about that? You're welcome. The earnestness of your of your comment is appreciated very much. Wow. Well, a lot going on. It's been a a big week. We've had a lot of different conversations this week. You and I have? Yeah. Yeah, we've well, had plenty of conversations. Sometimes we, we struggle, this is I guess for the audience's sake, we struggle to come up with like intro topics. We like to, to give you a little behind the scenes. We like to open the show with something lighthearted. Last episode we talked about Brittany's weirdo affinity for certain types of water and her disgust. For other types of clean, arrowhead, refreshing, not clean, filtered, poop, water, poop water, exactly. <laughs> and we do that often. I mean, that's usually the the routine for the show. We open with an intro topic that's lighthearted, and then we move into a little bit more deep subject matter. You're giving away all the secrets. I know it's 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 shitty of me. It's like a magician telling how the trick works, right? Yeah. So, what we've come up for this episode, which is something funny, and I think. The reason I'm given a little bit behind the scenes is because I want the audience to give us feedback. Yeah. And call in or text in or go to the Facebook page to let us know what theirs are. Yeah. And what other funny stuff they want to hear. Right. So all of us, I think, not just Brittany and I, but all of us grow up for a certain period of time believing things that aren't true or wrong. And until sometimes into adulthood, until we're corrected. And a lot of times it's maybe what our parents kind of, you know, implanted in our brains, Mm -hmm. made us believe. And we just grew up thinking it was true because your parents told you that. And that's that's how people get their religious and political views. Absolutely. Oftentimes that's it. And it also happens with stupid, innocuous things as well. Absolutely. Well, well, let's let's give an example of, of one of yours. Well, my mom once told me that in the back of those cars that pick up the money. Armored cars. The armored cars. Like a Brinks bank truck. Yeah, that there are men with machine guns back there. Yeah, every she told Brittany that every time you see a a, like a Brinks armored car, armored truck, um, it is, I don't know about, I'm trying to be funny about it, but stuffed to the gills in the back. With machine gun toting guards. 
she didn't say stuffed, but it she definitely gave the impression that they were going to have a sitch if someone tried to rob them. It was going to be mis- machine gun central right. in that area. When in reality, it's some 80-year-old man who hobbles from bank pickup to bank pickup and some 18-year-old kid who probably didn't graduate high school. <laughs> yeah, and then I, as I grew up... Someone told me that that was wrong and laughed at me, laughed in my face. Wow. Who, what an absolute jerk. And his to- name is Jesse D. <laughs> so you're describing him perfectly. And I was so embarrassed because then I started to put two and two together and I started thinking of the different times I've seen people get out of the armored cars. And I started thinking, yeah, you know, I've never seen a machine gun come out of there, or I've I've only seen right. regular looking people come out of there. They're not. It's not a, like a team of Navy SEALs. Yeah, it's not <laughs> Iron Man coming out of the the back of the armored car. Right, right. Well, I also have I've got a couple. Not so much that my parents told me. I'm sure if I start thinking about it, because this has been on my mind for the last couple of days. But there's a few things, like for instance, early on. I guess that when I was I was in school, so I you know preschool or kindergarten, in in reciting the alphabet for a long time, I thought that there was a letter in there called Elemento, <laughs> you know A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. Yeah, but I didn't know that it was L M N O P. So I thought it was Elemento. Was your classroom super short on money, and you didn't have? You know, a. Are you making a short bus joke right now? No, I'm a, a poster <laughs> on the wall. They didn't have a poster on the wall with all the letters I, spelled out. I don't know. I haven't gone through and and thought why I was so stupid not to know that it's L M N O. Well, I think all kids probably have that when because you just learn to sing it at first. Yeah, yeah. You learn to sing it first, then you learn to recognize it maybe and write it. So when you're singing, everyone sings that part fast, and I get that. I remember, and this is just coming to my mind right now. That when I moved from Phoenix, Arizona to Idaho um, as, a, as a child, I guess I was first grade. Yeah, first grade. And when I got to my new class, you know, you want, you're nervous. It's new people. You don't want to be behind. And she asked, the teacher asked me, okay, so you know what vowels and consonants are? And I had no fucking idea Yikes. at all. And I'm just, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> got that on lock, of course. <laughs> And uh, was what a liar! Super frightened. I mean, that was terrifying. Oh, Which, lying? No, not for lying, but oh. that I was going to be way behind. Like, what is this science? What is this magic she she speaks of? Yeah. Consonants, vowels? Yeah, of course not lying. What am I thinking? <laughs> Why would I care about? Yeah, lying? who cares about that? And then, uh, of course, this is one of my favorite memories: is singing Christmas carols as a child. The what's it's. The one horse, how's it go? One horse open sleigh. Yeah, yeah. It's. I thought it was. Well, what's the song? Dash. Dashing through the snow. Dashing through the snow in a one one horse open sleigh. Yeah. I thought that it was one horse slope and sleigh. <laughs> one horse slope and sleigh. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't know what an open sleigh was. That's as what a the child. song should be. A slope and sleigh. Yeah. Well, it's like these people that sing the national anthem, or my country tis of thee. Well, and that's the they're thing. They're just all over the place with what they're saying. There's plenty of words that people just say and they don't know how to spell them. For example, a long time, 
for a long time, I thought that tennis shoes were tennis shoes. Tenna. Like T-E-N-N-A. Yeah. yeah. Tennis shoes. Because everyone said tennis shoes. I, it's awesome that we're talking about this right now because all these things are rushing to my head. I, went, I was in a school uh, when I, I lived in Newport, Rhode Island on the Newport, Rhode Island Naval Base. And I went to a school there and we were writing papers. And I used the phrase... Rather than all intents and purposes, I wrote the phrase intensive purposes. <laughs> and up until that point, I was probably 20 years old. Yeah. I thought it was intensive purposes. Yikes. You might want to lie about that age <laughs> next time. Hey, man. It's what it is. So there's another one for me where I believed my parents had only had sex four times. I bet you that's pretty common. One for each kid, because my mom said that one day. I don't remember how old I was for her to be telling me this. Well, knowing your mom, probably much too young. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then I don't know when I figured out it was a lie. I I'm, I surely wasn't an adult when I figured that out, but I believed it for quite a while. I'm like, hmm. wow, really? Huh, that's kind of weird <laughs> and kind of gross. Well, I've got a friend who was telling me, reminded me of a story of... His brothers, somehow he got all the way through adulthood up until just a few years ago. I'm talking less than five years ago. Got all the way to adulthood thinking that in a flush of a toilet, there's 15 gallons of water. That is way too much water. That's a lot of water. And apparently, and I have vague memories of this, we were having a talk about it. it somehow it got brought up and I was like, uh, What? Because I, I think it's like 2.6 gallons per flush. And it's actually mandated legislatively through Congress. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, you, you can't, it's all, they're called low flow toilets. You can't have a, a high capacity flow toilet because it wastes water. Hmm. So it's against the law, literally yeah. against the law. And in explaining this to this person, I made him visualize. So you're saying if you get three five gallon buckets of water, that little tank in the back of your toilet will hold three five-gallon buckets. And then, of course, it makes more sense when you when you say it like that. Yeah. And so you ruined another person's life by telling them that they were stupid and had believed something that was wrong their whole life. Yeah, well. So you do it all the time is what you're saying. When you're Jesse D, that's what you get to do. You know, at least I didn't think that I invented the word fringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true of me, everybody. I don't remember how old I was, probably like second grade, and I was just like sitting in my room with scissors cutting some construction paper, and I cut it so it was fringe on the end, and I started playing with it, and I'm like, hmm, I'll call this fringe, and it was like I'm inventing the word fringe or something. I had to have heard it from somewhere, but I was acting like I invented it, like, like an idiot. It's like, what's the phrase, onomatopoeia? Is that the word that a sound sounds like what the sound is? Yeah, I So it's kind of like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to appeal to the audience if you have something that you believed long into adulthood or even something dumb like Element OP or Slope and Slay, we want you to share it with us if you would be so bold. 657-464-7609, that is the number to call and leave a voicemail. Absolutely, you can remain anonymous. All you have to do is not say your name. If you just want to tell us what it is, we will play it on the show, or you could text it. Again, 657-464-7609, or of course, there's the Facebook page.
I thought you had one more thing that you believed as a kid that you don't into adulthood. Uh, let me think. You mean other than Jesus being the son of God? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> so don't call in and tell us about that one, everybody. We know. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that camp. Yeah, I guess we should get that one out of the way because we will get all the calls yeah. about how they used to believe in God. Yeah. Moving on to something a little bit more serious, we got a message on the website, believe it or not. It's a, a method by which I never talk about. Um, being able to communicate with us, but you can. You can actually comment on individual episodes or any any blog post or, or, or podcast post on yeah. the site. We got a message from Deanne from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. And she was a little upset about how the last episode went down. And she wrote this. I can't tell you how disgusted I am with your podcast this week. You often talk about things about which you know nothing. Hated that you thought you could give an opinion about what is and isn't racist and how Asian and black people should interpret the hostile behavior by this person who has power in that situation. Then, when you called an 18-year-old unarmed dead kid a piece of shit for stealing a $9 box of cigars, is that what you would say about an 18-year-old white kid who steals a chocolate bar? A black kid is killed every 28 hours in your country, and that's your response about obvious hurt and pain being expressed by thousands in the street. Unbelievable, the arrogance and insensitivity. Honestly, if you could please show some humility and let your audience know that you often talk about things about which you have no expertise or experience. Even your blathering about drugs, poverty, etc., I work with marginalized people every day, and spewing ill-informed verbal nonsense like you did in this podcast does way more harm than good. So I definitely wanted to respond to Deanne. In fact, we did open up a little bit of an email dialogue trying to schedule her uh, to talk with me. And she did. She wasn't necessarily comfortable being on the show, which I understand, not knowing me and not knowing if I'll edit it poorly and make her look bad. I, I get that. And she doesn't know who I am. So, But for the record, we would never do something like Absolutely that. Absolutely not. Would not. I mean, listen, if I wasn't a, if I was a, if I wasn't the stand-up guy that I am, I wouldn't even be putting this out there or responding in any way. I would just be like, ah, fuck her. Yeah. You know? So, and that's not who I am. When I talk on the show about moving the conversation forward, I mean that. And... I hope this is evidence of that, too. Well, and if you want to write in an S in our mouths, feel free to do so. Because yes, we'll, we'll put it on. We'll, we'll. Yeah, and the whole point is we could be wrong. And I, I, I think I say that quite often, that we could be wrong about things. And the these topics, what's going on in Ferguson, since we don't know the facts, it is still kind of a give your opinion on it. You know, there's no research that's been done into what happened and it's not been released. What happened? Right. It's, you know, a lot of people saying they were witnesses, but they all have different stories and we don't really know what's going on. Like always. So it's giving an opinion right. about that. So I did want to address her specific um, issues and we did talk and we had a great talk. We talked for about an hour and she's a, a, a very pleasant, well-educated, um, great she was lovely to talk to. We we talked about a lot of things. She did express some concerns about, obviously the the. I tell you what. Well, I'll just I'll address the the message and then I'll I'll sum up the conversation. But 
Um, you can't tell you how disgusted I am with your podcast this week. You often talk about things which you know nothing. Um, that might be true, but I, I don't purport myself to be some kind of scientist or educator or, you know, when at the onset of this show, episode one, when I talked about why I was starting this show, I, I brought, I brought into the light that I'm a guy who is an atheist, a skeptic and relatively conservative. And I look for my opinion to be represented in the media and I never see it represented. It's difficult for me. Well, hardly ever represented. Right. Yes. And so I wanted this show to be a vehicle for others of like mind and like spirit to to have a home to hear and discuss topics with my particular philosophical bent. And that was what it is. So I've, I don't know that I've ever portrayed myself as some kind of of lofty intellectual related to these topics. And it's kind of a man on the street, but you know, I do have a lot of life experience, whether it be the military or having worked on Capitol Hill. Um, I grew up very poor. I, I have, my opinions are valid based on my life experience and they're valid because they're my opinions. I don't claim to be super educated either. You know, I don't, I don't talk about my education all the time and, you know, try to, mm -hmm act like I know everything and everybody should listen to me. I really, I don't do that kind of stuff either. So I don't know where that's coming from. Well, I think she just wants, she wants, she, she would like it if, if we were to explain as kind of a, a countermeasure or as a, as a qualifier that, Hey, this is my opinion, but you know, I, I'm not necessarily right because I haven't, there's tons of research out there that I don't know about. The problem with that is, is, one, it would, it's going to break up the show if every five minutes I'm saying I don't know what I'm fucking talking about, you know? Yeah. So, again, I think that there, I always say that if you're far left on one, one side of an issue and far right on one side of an issue, it's probably somewhere in the middle that is the right, is the correct way to think about it. And I think the same thing goes for this. She goes on and says that uh, she hated that uh, I thought I could give an opinion about what is and isn't racist. And I just want it for the record that I was asked my opinion about that. Yes, yeah, Sydney had called in yeah. and asked for our opinion on what happened with her teacher. And if I recall, you were pretty hard on the teacher. Yeah, I certainly think, well, I wasn't hard to the... To, to the point that I think maybe he should lose his job or No, you anything. just disagreed with what he did. It's not his role. He shouldn't have said it. And I also took the the... I took the the position that it doesn't matter if there were Asian kids in the class when he made that joke. If it's offensive when they're there, it's offensive when they're not there. Yeah. So I'm kind of confused by her. I think she's just, I think she's hypersensitive to race issues. Maybe just a normal level of sensitivity and um me being a white guy I'm I'm not as sensitive and I'm not going to and I know I'm using rel relatively pejorative language here but I'm not going to tiptoe around those issues. I'm going to call it like I see it as I go and some toes will be stepped on but we're still having a conversation and I think ultimately that's a good thing. Um she goes on that I about the racist thing and how Asian and black people should interpret hostile behavior by this person who has power in that situation. That kind of hurt. Mainly because I talk on this show all the time about 
people in power and how they should be held accountable. And just because you're a cop and your job is hard doesn't mean you get to strangle a man to death on the street or smash the face in of a homeless, mentally ill woman on the side of the freeway. I talk about that all the time. It doesn't mean that just because you're Jeremy Dean, an Albuquerque police officer, you don't get to shoot an unarmed woman in the back because she stole a car. You're in a position of power. You're held to a higher level of behavior. And I think that you agreed with that with the teacher. Yeah, you I think also I did said too. that too. So. Yeah. And then she gets to what I think a lot of people probably would have had a hard time with is when I called Michael Brown a piece of shit for robbing that store. And she says, she mentions, uh, she says, you, you call an, an 18 year old unarmed dead kid a piece of shit for stealing a $9 box of cigars. When one, it was a $50 box of cigars, but that's neither here nor there. Well, he, he was strong arming a man. Ha less than half his size, roughing him up, yanking the, the cigars out of his hand across the counter and leaving. Now, she, she has some reservations as to that's, as to whether that's what happened in the tape. She, she's not ready to completely buy that. And we came to the conclusion that we just generally disagreed. I told her that, um, I think there's a possibility a slim, scant possibility that that wasn't the case, that maybe he wasn't robbing the place. But the overwhelming preponderance of the evidence and everything I've seen leads me to believe he was robbing that place. And if a white kid was to do the same thing, I would label him a piece of shit. That doesn't mean for in perpetuity he's a shitty person and he has no way to redeem himself. It just means right now, at this juncture in his life, He's making bad decisions, and it matters about his character. And like you pointed out, it doesn't mean that he deserves death. Yeah. Certainly not. And maybe I shouldn't have said it just as the police shouldn't have released the tape. But the information's out there, and I have difficulty with people who die who are sainted. They're automatically the greatest person on the, on the earth as soon as they die, even if they weren't that great a person. I think if she wants to have these factual conversations based on research and data and talking about things you know about, then saying that he stole a $9 box of cigars, at least talk about the conversation in a factual way. Let's, let's say what's factual. Let's say what happened. And trying to minimize it, even by lowering the dollar amount, which is really, you know, it's nothing. But it, it, we should still be accurate in what sure. we're saying, right? Yeah. And then... I also just want to touch on, there was a comment left on, we posted this message to the Facebook page. Yep. And there was a comment that said, an 18-year-old white kid who steals anything from anyone is a piece of S. Yeah. And we were having this conversation and I got reminded of a group of three men that I saw at a sushi restaurant the other day. Oh, yeah. And... I didn't, I didn't bring this up. I should have brought this up. One came into the restaurant and I was immediately... You used the word thug. I was immediately hypervigilant of this individual because he had tattoos all over him. He was dressed in baggy clothes and he had the yep. words blue eyed devil tattooed on his neck, on the back of his neck. A little skinny piece of shit, white trash racist. 
So he, not not a black guy. And, no, he was white. Yeah. And he was with two other white men who also had tattoos all over their neck. And the thing is, he had the blue-eyed devil tattooed on the back of his neck. And that's typically something that someone who is a racist would have on the back of their neck. It's, it's a, a white supremacist, neo-Nazi type of thing. And, and coincidentally enough, he had a skinhead. And so I was very vigilant around this person and it's not he wasn't black so it wasn't a race thing it was what he was putting out it was the way that he was dressed the way that he was behaving the tattoos that he had and where they were located and unfortunately these are inferences that we make when we're around other human beings that's right there are certain cues that we pick up on that make us that inform our views of people well, we all share in the commonality of of humanity and the human experience. So, look, I, I said this earlier to, to someone that it's no surprise that there's not a single one, there's not a single CEO of a Fortune 1000 company who has tattoos all over his neck. That, that's, that should be of no surprise to anyone. Yeah, there's something about that look. You know, you're putting out a... Aura, it's, I guess I'm, you could I'm say. I'm rebelling against the norm. I'm choosing this to to be different. Yeah, and that's that's not a race thing. And so I just wanted to kind of note that. But also I want to say, like you said, just because someone steals something doesn't mean that they're a piece of crap. It just shows something about them. They could be having a bad day. They could be struggling, and that's why they're stealing. But, you know, it still says something. He must have really been nicking out. He needed some cigars. <laughs> yeah. And then also that video goes over the top to push you, you know, over the line because he roughs up that guy, like you said, and that's hard to watch. Yeah. So we'll move on. And I want everybody while I'm doing this and we're, we're answering point by point, everybody to know that we left on very good terms. She's a super intelligent, very academic, and we might have her back on the show related to drug policy or something else because um she's got a wealth of knowledge in certain topics that i think would lend uh a lot of information and you know entertainment value to the show too so um she goes on to talk about the you know there's a black kid killed every 28 hours in this country and that's my response about hurt and obvious pain my response calling him a piece of shit wasn't about race it was it was only about him I didn't want him to be, go down in the annals as being some some hero and you know some martyr when he he clearly was not you know some studious wonderful honor roll kid he you know he was doing punk stuff that he shouldn't have been doing which might not have bearing on him on on whether he was shot but we don't know yet. All the facts aren't in. And if this cop did what everybody thinks he did, or so many people think he did, then he needs to be fucking prosecuted. Oh, for sure. I'm the first one to lash out at the abuse of power within our police state, which I would usually have never said that, but it's becoming very apparent that we've got a police problem in our country. Oh, for sure. I don't think we have a crime problem. We have a police problem. And a police problem of police committing crimes. That's and, a problem. And even if Mike Brown had put his hands on that officer, if he had then 
started to run away, he still should not have been shot. Even if you put your hands on the officer and then you start to run away, you still don't deserve to be shot and killed. That's not something that should have happened. So, but we definitely, I mean, we need answers here. That's another frustrating aspect about the situation is we don't have answers. We need to hold out for, for the truth. Yeah. Hold out for the details of what actually happened. And I'm sure the grand jury will get to that. We'll, you know, I hope so. And, and I don't even, I don't even, um, begrudge the protesters. They're protesting. It's, it's not necessarily that they're prote- protesting his individual death. It's a culmination of racial tension. Cause I, I do believe there still are racial issues in our society. Just because we have a black president, it's so easy for someone to say, Oh, yeah, we, everybody's so racist. We got a black president. That's, that doesn't, it's not the same thing. This is something I would, <laughs> We should have Ryan Bell back on because we had a great conversation about these type of issues yeah. when he was on last time. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap this up. We're going really long here. Um. Honestly, if you could show some humility and let your audience know that you you only that you often talk about things which you have no expertise or experience. Th- that may be true, but if 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 all of us collectively. And individually, we're only allowed to talk about things and have conversations about things which we were intricately and detailed education on and experienced with. It would be a very limiting conversation. Is the next sentence in that about the blathering on about drugs and poverty? It is, yeah. Can you read it? Yeah. Even your blathering about drugs, poverty, etc. Yeah, so my question there is... What experiences does someone need to have with poverty, with drugs, to be able to talk about it? Because I have never done drugs, ever in my life. I've never done drugs. I've never smoked weed. I've never done any drugs. I drink alcohol. That's it. And I grew up with two drug-addicted parents that Mm -hmm. I saw doing drugs regularly. And I have a lot of experience with addiction because of that. Am I not able to talk about it because I haven't personally been addicted to drugs? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good, it's a valid point. And also related to poverty, I grew up very poor. My entire right. childhood and teen years, I was poor, struggling with my mom to make the house payment. So do I not, is it because I'm white that I can't comment on issues of poverty? I mean, where am I going to be able to have a conversation about these things? I will say this. I will defend Deanne a little bit it, 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 on on, a, on one point. One is, I think she went off a little, she fired off an angry email. I think in the heat of the moment, she's using using words like blathering and disgusted. And, you know, she's pissed off. I get it. I'm glad she did it. It's awesome because it does further the conversation so we can move this thing forward. That's awesome. The problem lies... And it's so commonly done with this kind of check your privilege crowd that's so quick to, oh, check your privilege. You're white. You better check your privilege. Where she's making assumptions. I'm assuming that she's making assumptions. I'm assuming based on the tone of her her message here that she's making assumptions about me. She has no idea that I grew up very poor, that I grew up moving state to state. I lived in five states before I was nine years old. She doesn't know that. She doesn't know that the food stamps and the free lunches and the government cheese. I'm I'm that kid. Yeah. So I think she sees white, white guy with this voice and hears my opinions and knows I was in the Marine Corps or whatever she knows. She sees the white. 
and then she fills in the caricature for you. Yeah, and uh, but, but we all do that. No, That's we do. We for we sure all do. do that. But we need to leave room for people that haven't experienced things exactly that we have to still have an opinion about things we've been through. Right. I. It stifles the conversation when you don't allow them to have an opinion because if you don't allow them to have an opinion, then you then they have no opinion to correct. Yeah, we we kind of had this conversation too with Ryan Bell as as an abuse victim, someone who you know, is a victim of childhood abuse, I expect that other people can still understand my plight. Sure. When I talk about it, I people who have not been abused can understand me. People who have not been poor can understand me. People did, who have normal parents can understand me. Right. And I think that everyone should extend that to everybody, that we can all learn to understand each other's situations and backgrounds. Well, we can learn from everyone else's experience. Yeah, you can learn from others' experience. That's the point. Yeah. I don't need to inject myself with heroin to know about heroin. I can go read about heroin and yeah. talk to people who have done heroin. Right. It's good. So anyway, like I said, the, the conversation ended on a very upbeat note. Um, she's super smart. And like I said, I'd, I'd love to have her on the show. It'd be great. So thanks for the message, Deanne. And we appreciate you using the website, which, by the way, everybody can comment individually on the different episode posts uh, at dollamore.com. And while you're there, you're going to spend your money anyway. There's an Amazon link that if you'd like to buy a book or greeting cards. Yeah, greeting cards. That you could buy greeting cards. You can. Lots of them. Tons of them, I bet. Pallets. Yeah. Full. Although, why would you need that? If you got a lot of friends. That's a lot of friends. Cut some of those people loose. Yeah. Well, maybe you're Jewish and you want to send out a card for every single holiday that you have. Yeah. They, they got a lot of fucking holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we were going to... This has gone so long. We're over a half hour here. Uh, I did want to c- cover a couple things that have taken place relative to Ferguson since we're kind of on the topic. That recently a cop... This happened, I guess, last night. He's pointing his AR-15, what uh, is commonly referred to as an assault rifle at uh, some peaceful protesters who are getting a little close to the police line, and he says, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, I'll put the video up on the Facebook page and the Twitter page so everybody can go to the link and watch the video. It's pretty insane. I mean, he's pointing the gun at them, and they uh, are... They're they're verbally taunting him, like, what are you going to do? And he's, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, and I'm, but you know what? You You need to learn to deal with that. So often this happens with people of police. They they say, oh, well, they've got a tough job, and now they may list all these reasons that this guy may have done this. It doesn't fucking matter. He's in a position of power. He he Like I've said, like I've said today even, he needs to be held to a higher standard. He can't just freak out and kill someone because he's stressed out. We also, need people who are supremely mentally competent to perform this job. Also, did he not know what the job entails when he signed up to be a police officer? Right, right, right. Because it's a danger every day. That's what it entails. Right. You're, so. you're, li- you're taking your life in your own hands or in the hands of, of criminals who are out to get you yeah. or potentially out to get you every time you step out of your patrol car. If you don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with it or if you something happens to you in the line of duty and then you develop you know, an absence of cope 
coping mechanisms to deal with the situation. That's exactly right. Then you need to deal with that because then, you can't do your job successfully. Then you need to be go go be a, a Walmart greeter or some other less stressful job. Because you cannot be pointing guns at people and saying this. Well, and then they asked him his name and he says, go fuck yourself. Yeah. So he's an all around pretty, you know. He's pretty cool. Pretty good guy. And then the Missouri lieutenant governor refers to... He says that Ferguson needs Anglo-American justice. He was asked if race is playing a role in what's happening in Ferguson. And he said, quote, we do not do justice in America in the streets, though. We have legal processes that are in motion that are designed after centuries of Anglo-American jurisprudence tradition. They're designed to protect the rights and liberties of everyone involved. So my whole thing with this guy is, He's clearly fucking tone deaf to what's going on. To use the phrase Anglo-American, which is white American justice, the tradition of white American justice. He he might be just speaking from a historical context of where our laws are, are based, like the Magna Carta and shit like that. It, you know, it, but he's going back to fucking, you know, the 10th century, the 11th century. So... He's clearly fucking tone deaf to what's going on to use a phrase like that right now at this time. Fucking jackass. And that's Republican Missouri Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder. Yeah. Or Kinder. Good job, buddy. It doesn't seem like his name should be Kinder, though. He's not very kind. <laughs> and uh, since we're talking about cops, I, I did want to, as, uh, as a follow-up, that CHP officer that I also just mentioned who was beating that homeless, mentally ill woman on the side of the freeway here in L.A., um, the department that Los Angeles County just turned or the, the California Highway Patrol just turned that case over to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Yes, Officer Daniel Andrew had been previously assigned to desk duty, but now he's been removed from duty and put on administrative leave. Right. So we'll see where that goes and we will absolutely follow that story as well. I know a lot of people are interested in that. And now we're going to move off race and move on to crazy. Ohio pro-life activist. He's, <laughs> he's got some unique ideas about the link between the female form, nudity, and uh, homosexual men. <laughs> A prominent pro-life activist has called to ban all public nudity because he said that topless dancers who protested at his church had committed quote, an offense to God. At least six bare-breasted women and other supporters of the Foxhole North Club North Club marched in front of the New Beginnings Ministry Church in Warsaw earlier this month after the church spent nine years coming to their club to protest nudity. So, of course, these were six bare-breasted dancers that were coming to the church to protest because right. the church had always been protesting the nudity at their club. Right. Well, I also love that. Sorry, I know you're getting ready to talk. Uh, I love that he says he they want to do this because these strippers have caused offense to God. Yeah. Well, if God's omnipotent and he's omnipresent and he's omniscient, then can't he, uh, can't he speak for himself? Why does he need this jackhole? To speak for him. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Patrick Johnson, who is director of the anti-abortion group Personhood Ohio, responded to the protests by asking Ohioans 
to call the legislature in support of banning, quote, all public nudity in the state. Quote, I am sick that women can legally bear their breasts to children and to married men against their will in Ohio. <laughs> he went on to say, what they did is an offense to God, was an offense to public morality, and the legislature should act to criminalize what they did. He also argued that women with exposed breasts were the reason that Ohio's gay pride parade was so popular. Quote, the gay pride parade in Columbus is 500,000 strong. Why? Because the women go topless. This is the only one where I've seen this level of nudity. San Francisco, Chicago, Washington, D.C. I have never seen this kind of public lewdness I have seen in Columbus, Ohio. That guy has been to an astronomical amount, an astronomical number of gay pride parades. Yeah. For a straight dude who's not an, a gay rights supporter... That's a lot of gay rights parades, a lot of pride parades. Yeah, he's all scoping them all out. Yeah, I mean, what? Seeing how much nudity, what the level of nudity is. I think I might have to put a little truth wiener label on that guy. Yeah. What's his name? Dr. Patrick Johnson. Oh, of course his last name is Johnson. <laughs> yeah. He's very concerned about hiding breasts because like even, of the gays. Even breastfeeding. Yeah. It would outlaw. Yeah, he's... He's pretty concerned about breasts and how it impacts the gays. So we're adding Dr. Johnson to the growing list of irrational right-wing Christian truth wieners. Moving right along, Brittany has some super interesting data on gender or the genders and their preference about having male or female bosses. Yeah, Gal- which is sorry, which is a topic we've been trying to get to for three consecutive episodes and have run out of time. Yeah, so maybe it's not that great if we keep on just pushing <laughs> it off. So it's like Matt Damon with Jimmy Kimmel; he just keeps getting bumped. Yeah, <laughs> Gallup has been tracking gender preferences in the workplace since 1953, when fully two thirds of American adults, 66 percent, said they would prefer a male boss if they had a choice in a new job. Another 25% volunteered that it made no difference, and only 5% said that they would prefer a female boss. As of November 2013, the gap has narrowed but remains. 41% say it makes no difference, but the rest prefer a male boss over a female boss by 35 to 23%. Hmm. So, I thought this was interesting because women are the most likely to say that they prefer a male boss. Which is, that's odd. Well, you would think with the... This push for equality in wages and women wanting, you know, more, more of a, 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 to be well represented in the workforce, you'd think women would want other women to represent them and be their boss. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, although I get it. Yeah. Because I've had some bad experiences with female bosses. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't think of a, t- well, I've had, I've had female bosses. I've never had any negative experiences, though. Yeah, I had one where I was kind of interested in someone in the workplace and we were hanging out a lot. I don't know if I'd call it dating, but we were just hanging out a lot. Mm -hmm. And my manager got drunk and called this guy and started talking about how, (laughs) how he shouldn't like me. He shouldn't be with me. He should be with her. 
Wow. And I had to hear about this and then go back to work and, and be around her. Right. And well, then be subordinate to her. Yeah. And have yeah. her managing me, knowing that she's, you know, trying to bang the dude that I like <laughs> and trying to take me out of the equation. Yeah. And that was definitely an awkward situation. That's a bummer. And then I also had another female boss who came into, it was at a bank and it was a bank full of women. And before she got there, we had a male boss who was very intent on keeping the peace. He gave us all personality tests before we were hired. Oh yeah. And he wanted to make sure that, you know, we all meshed. And then this woman comes in and she starts, you know, getting rid of people slowly and bringing in her own people. And it just turned into this terrible, terrible workplace. Yeah, that's a bummer. A bunch of catty women no control on the drama at all. And it was horrible. So women bosses have been negative for me. Anecdotally speaking. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, apparently you fall in line with the, the Gallup data. Yeah. Hmm. Well, right on. Another interesting piece of, of data research is we'll put a link on the Facebook page if you want to know how much $100 is worth where you live. Yeah, the real value of 100 varies by state and even by county and metro area, according to this week's tax map from the Tax Foundation. As reported by the Tax Foundation, because average prices for similar goods are much higher in California or New York than in Mississippi or South Dakota, the same amount of dollars will buy you comparatively less in the high-priced states or comparatively more in low-priced states. So, for example... $100 in California is actually $88.57. Which is a fucking bummer. <laughs> and in New York, it's only $86.66. And if you want the biggest bang for your buck, you're going to want to move to Mississippi where $100 is worth $115.74. The only problem is is that you, you, you have to live in fucking Mississippi. Right. <laughs> but... Uh, Texas, $103. Louisiana, about $110. Um, one of the... Uh, Hawaii, $85.32. Like I said, though, we'll, we'll put a link up on the Facebook page. You guys can check it out. Super interesting. Uh, I've always... Having lived all over the country, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, having moved from Idaho to here, where we live now, this is... It's very expensive. Even groceries are more. Everything's more. And it's it's a, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's you're, terrible. You're, you're you're not making any more money, <laughs> but your your bills are exorbitantly higher. And moving somewhere where it would be uh, cheaper, the problem is usually it's just not quite as cool. Yeah. Wrapping it up with Florida Files, two stories that are. Kind of linked, I think. In Brevard County, they are the, the county commissioners are completely rejecting an atheist request to pray over over the meeting, the the opening of their of their meeting. It's a slap in the face to be told specifically you you cannot participate. Atheists today demanded the right to give an invocation at the beginning of a Brevard County Commission meeting. They were turned away. New at 5, West 2's Dan Billa reports commissioners want invocations from what they call the faith community. Who needs to do that? 
A debate over invocations quickly turned up the temperature at the Brevard County Commission meetings. For you to say that Christianity is under attack, I'd like you to look over at Iraq right now and let me know if Christianity is not under attack. We're not in Iraq. We're here. You know, and Fire spreads quickly, sir. David Williamson of the Central Florida Free Thought community wears an A for atheist on his lapel. The Supreme Court explicitly named non-believers um, as someone who should be included. And in this case, we've asked to be included. So what would an invocation be from an atheist? Well, from these atheists, it would be a statement on good government, fairness, care in decision making. Essentially, what a minister might pray for, the atheists would encourage people to do on their own. A sample atheist invocation says, we need only look to each other for guidance and work together to overcome any challenges we may face. But commissioners said unanimously they don't want to change a policy that allows individual commissioners to select the invocation givers from a pool of applicants, applicants who are mostly Christian ministers and Jewish rabbis. That allows them to pass on the atheist applicants. I think that uh, to force a commissioner to uh, uh, accept them as, as that is uh, something that the attorney said was not uh, necessary. It's a slap in the face to be told, specifically you, you cannot participate. Williamson indicated his group may seek a court order. In Vieira, Brevard County, Dan Billow, West 2 News. This is exactly what I talk about all the time, about equal protection under the law. If Christianity is going to be represented, and this is the problem with even having any prayers at all, it's everybody has a right to a seat at the prayer table. Yeah. And if... If you're going to have a Christian pray and you're going to have a Jew pray, then you better have Muslims, you better have Wiccans, you better have Satanists, you better have Universalists, you better have Buddhists, and you better have atheists. Everybody gets a seat at the table because we have the equal protection clause of the Constitution of the United States. But it's clear from those different county commissioners, especially the, you don't think Christians are being persecuted? Well, you better turn on the TV and watch Iraq. We're not in Iraq. We're in America where the vast majority of citizens are Christian. Why doesn't he go to Iraq and get a little feel for what's going on over there for people yeah. that are Christian and then come back over here and realize that there's not a war on Christmas? Yeah, yeah. It's it, any it, it, At any turn, they want to be, oh, we're, we're being victimized when, come on. You're the, you're vastly in the majority. No one is persecuting you. Yeah. You're the one who's persecuting the atheist by not letting him give a fucking invocation. He's not even invoking the name of Satan. He's just wanting to say some encouraging words before the meeting. Yeah. And it reminds me of the video that you just took and put on YouTube at the, what was it, a press conference that the police gave? or At, at the Ferguson thing, yeah. That, it was an evening press conference at 2.22 uh, a.m. their time, central time in Missouri. And they introduced a cop to come forward and pray, right? That's right. And we were having a discussion about how everyone in the crowd would have reacted if someone came forward and, you know, threw up their mat, laid it on the ground, got on their knees, and started doing a Muslim prayer. Right. They would be oh, outraged. Yeah, but because he was standing, bowing his head, and praying to the Christian God, he, he, everything was okay. He, I was waiting for the end of it, 
and we'll put that on the Facebook page too. But I was waiting for the end of it for him to see if he was going to do kind of a generic God and we're just going to leave it nebulous by just talking about God. And nope, he, in the name of Jesus Christ, I mean, he, he went balls out. Yeah, he did. Full on, full on Christian prayer. So, uh, it's just, it's not what this country is about. It's, we're about inclusiveness. We're about equal protection. And there is a, a line in the sand about having an establishment of religion. And if you have a, a an employee who's being paid to pray to the Christian God, that seems kind of like an establishment or choosing one over another. So moving on, um, in the adjacent county to Brevard County is Orange County in Florida. Orange County is on the coast. Brevard County is just inland. And we're, so you go east just a little bit, and there you go. Orange County. And they are, what are they doing? Commissioners unanimously rejected a zoning request for a mosque following three hours of public debate. If approved, the mosque would have been built near residential neighborhoods. Residents had argued that traffic from the mosque would disrupt a quiet neighborhood that retains a country charm, with some residents keeping horses, donkeys, and other animals. The area is not far from Bay Hill Country Club, for those of you that live in Orange County, Florida. (laughs) They worried that holding five prayer services daily, from before sunrise to after sunset, would bring a recurring flood of cars to the area. Backers of the mosque said they expected only Friday services to draw a capacity crowd of 240 worshipers, with only a handful likely to attend daily services. So it's not a mega church; It's like 300 people. No, and everyone's concerned about all the cars coming in because they don't want to scare the donkeys. Right. In the country charm neighborhood. Well, and one of the guys who I guess was going to be a member of this congregation, this mosque, he talks about... He talks about how there's Mormon churches, there's all kinds of Christian churches in this area. Jewish and Catholic. Yeah. So, and Mormon churches are often in very rural, small, suburb, neighborhood-type communities. They're not always a distance away or in an industrial area. They're they're right in there. Yeah. Or mixed-use zoning. So, this is just another case, and I've looked. Both of these county commissioners, both of these county commissions, I guess, are largely Republican. In fact, uh, in, in one of them, there's one black woman who is the lone Democrat out of like eight people, and but it's largely Republican. And they have this weird mantra, like that guy was talking about, how Christians are being persecuted, when at every turn, they're not allowing a mosque because, oh, it's not Christian. They're not allowing an atheist to pray because, oh, it's not Christian. It's, come on. Well, to be fair... They're not allowing this mosque because it will cause too much traffic. Right, right. I'm sure that's exactly the truth as about this, what's going on. As this woman said, we are a neighborhood that exercises. We walk. We ride bikes. All of that would be curtailed by the traffic. You know, and everybody knows Muslims are terrible drivers. <laughs> She also went on and said, I feel that this road is not well suited to a mosque. Ugh, of course it's not. Because it's in America. <laughs> so that's your Florida files, everybody. Florida. Freedom for all, liberty for everyone. It could have also been a taking care of biz segment because they're taking care of biz, yeah. shutting down that mosque. <laughs> So we're going to leave you with that, a little shorter episode this midweek. But what are you going to do? Not every episode can be juicy 
and full of wonderment like they all are. Isn't that right, Brittany? That is right. <laughs> and hopefully more people write in with angry messages to us. Yeah, I do. I want to remind the audience. Oh, no. I, I, I don't want to remind the audience about angry messages. I want to remind the audience. God, I'm just talking like a robot. Just go on autopilot. I want to remind the audience that if you have something that you always believed as a kid or that you, for instance, I have a friend that told me that as a kid, his his siblings told him that all lions, all lions were boys and all tigers were girls. That is some sound logic right, right. there. Well, that's, that's siblings fucking with one another, but I don't know how long that lasted, but... Apparently, well, I think I think maybe it lasted up until like fourth grade, and he almost fought a kid over the the not believing it. But if you've got one of these, we would love you to share it. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Please call. Feel free to leave your name and where you're from if you like. If not, leave it anonymous, and we'll just play it. Most importantly, I want to thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you're going to spend your money at Amazon anyway, go to dollamore.com, use that link, buy a book, and buy a bookcase to put it on. How about that, huh? That's great. So, but really, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. We love you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I'd like you to look over at Iraq right now and let me know if Christianity's not in our tap. We're not in Iraq. Well, we're, here, we're here. You know, and, and fire the, spreads the, quickly, the sir. Thing is-